yeah. I love my HBCU. And Bob, I love it, love it. I love it, love it. I love my HBCU. And man, I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. Yeah, man. I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. I tune into the HCCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouse. But if they won, she's tired. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, yeah. he know what he be talking about. Talkin Mike about. and Charles, Talk. they know what they be talking about. Talkin they compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they won a loss. Yeah. And who the ball, who the ball. So listen to Professor, yes, sir, yes, sir. And pay attention. This is Dr. Bill with Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. No, I'm not in the home studio, as you can probably tell. I am in the hotel. I'm in Fort Worth, Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah, that's the site of the regional, Texas Southern University in Kansas. I'll be at the games, games so I'll be able to give you some insight. In fact, I was in Dayton. Yes, I got to see the first four and see Texas Southern University and SWAT get it done. So we'll get you a little bit of insights on that. I have my guest from the other side from the sports rap. That is Brian and AD showing me some love as the other two guys. They're out on assignment. You know, they've been just shucking and jiving with the drive. I don't know what's going on. I think I'm going to have to up my pay scale. You know, I guess these adjunct <laughs> professor fees are just not high enough for them, and they got other assignments, as they said. I, I, I just don't understand. So before we get into the introduction formula, let me just ask. Let me start with you, Drew. Uh, first, let's say condolences to you and your family. Um, and the way that I ask this question uh, certainly is not indicative of where your heart is. So with everything being considered, I hope um, that you are being able to navigate this space and we're here for you in terms of how we can be. Yes, uh, appreciate uh, appreciate it, Doc. You know, uh, I was on the plane flying into St. Louis uh, today uh, where we will memorialize my baby sister on tomorrow when uh, obviously, you know, when you touch down, you, your phone you get all your missed calls and text messages start coming through. And the, the first one that, that came through was from you, uh, asked me, uh, asked me if I mind to coming on today. And of course, uh, obviously, you know, why while, while I was traveling and then I'm like, it, I was thinking to myself, I was like, if I could get to a time and a, and a place where I can log on, you know, I, I'll be more than happy to come on. Cause you know, like Brian and I talked about on, on Sunday, you know, Sometimes you need life's distractions because reality is going to hit when I wake up tomorrow when we go through the services. So uh, it's just great. Uh, I like coming home every now and then, just under better circumstances than they are uh, right now. So thank you for uh, allowing me to take one hour or so out of my day and get back to doing what I uh, really love to do, talk about HBCU sports. Absolutely. With that said, let's de- dedicate a great show to in her honor. With that, yeah. Brian, how are you doing today? Well, Doc, I, I'm on location as I have had to scramble all over the uh, Outspot Springs, North Orlando area just to be able to find some place that wasn't inundated with folks celebrating St. Patrick's Day and, and the day one of the tournament. Uh, I would like to say you know, my brackets are going well. My other, my other, uh, my other stuff ain't going so well. The home internet is a mess, but you know, it life, life, man. You know, so I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. <laughs> that's about, that's about all I can say. You know, uh, I'm good. I'm blessed. Well, we, we appreciate it, and we certainly know that you'll be um, coming in and out in terms of the mute button there. But we understand if we see you. With that uh, green beer, we'll understand that you were just telling us all of this stuff <laughs> as you know it. And AD, you probably know Brian better than most of us, so you certainly know that he chooses his uh, battles wisely. So he sniffs around to make sure yeah. you can see the game, get in there. He's like, "Hey, yeah, I can be there, but I, I got to do what I got to do." It's like, I like yeah. that. And, so and, you're in the spirit, I, I, <laughs> you know, yeah. whatever it is. So let me official. I like we're all traveling off. professors today. Yeah, exactly. everybody's on the road exactly. today. <laughs> exactly. 
Let me officially welcome all the lab listeners in here. Welcome to episode 246 of Inside the HBCU Sports Lab Radio Show and Podcast. The show that's covering the sporting HBCU dash for all things HBCU sports from institutions large and small from NAIA to the NCAA. We share insights and information on the HBCU sports culture and the HBCU athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs in the business of HBCU sports. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Kabil. My co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. And as I said, standing in from them are visiting professor Brian Fourfoot, visiting professor A.D. Drew. Drew is more than a visiting professor. We, we've got him into the clinical rotation, as you know now. He's just a regular. So, Brian, we're going to tell you to get your game up. And, again, if we see you speaking with that green beard, we're going to have some problems. We're going to have some problems. Now, do what you got to do. Today's episode of Inside <laughs> Sweet Tea right now. Sweet Tea. Water. That's water. That's oh, water. Let's get real. That's water. I promise. It's water. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's mighty red. So I went, <laughs> still agree. But, you know, hey, who's telling? We celebrate with how we want to celebrate. Today's episode of Inside HBC Sports Lab is sponsored by THC Agency, LLC. THC Agency is a company that provides sporting and educational consulting and data analytics. My first story is going to be uh, I want to speak of. I know we got plenty of time to get into this basketball updates, and uh, I'll ask you to share what you'd like after this. But I want to give a shout out to Jackson State's Ashley Robinson, who was named NACDA, N-A-C-D-A, Athletic Director of the Year. And they do it for different levels. Um, but at the FCS level, and uh, hard to argue in terms of what he's done with Jackson State, the hires, and, uh, more than that, just winning at the program and putting Jackson State in front of everybody, certainly well-deserved. People may remember that he was the athletic director for Mississippi Valley State for a short while, and then he came over to Prairie View before coming over or going back home in a lot of ways for him to Jackson. So I've kept up with his career before that. You know, he was in the – MEAC, SWAC, uh, conference offices, uh, if you would, uh, doing uh, great work there. And so he continues to shine. I got a chance to talk with him a little bit over there in Birmingham and share some insights. And, boy, I tell you, uh, Jackson State and SWAC are on the move in many different ways with him leading the athletic directors, vice presidents of athletics uh, from the, pre- the chairmanship uh, and, obviously, uh, Jackson State uh, as our – excited about what he's doing for that program, including uh, now bringing in Mo Williams from Alabama State on the men's basketball side. So that'll be interesting to follow. I'm going to stick with you, A.D. Drew. What are some of the hot news that you want to share today? Well, you already uh, came with the lead in, uh, Dr. Caville. Uh, Mo Williams uh, switches uh, to another swacky team going to his hometown, Jackson State uh, Tigers, you know, I, I remember when we interviewed Mo shortly after he took the job at Alabama State, and he basically uh, stated that he grew up on Jackson State's campus, uh, obviously uh, playing for the University of Alabama for his uh, collegiate career. And I guess he's gotten the taste of the HBCU life from the, up, from the administration side and the coaching side. And has decided to go back and to try to take the team that he grew up rooting for in his hometown to another level. Bo Williams, NBA champion, Jackson native, uh, graduate of Murrah High School in Jackson, uh, Mississippi. Uh, we know he uh, most recently coached at Alabama State. Prior to that, he was at Cal State Northridge as an assistant, 14-year NBA career. And let's just talk about some of the uh, accolades. He was Mr. Basketball during his senior year at Murrah. Murrah. He was a a high school All-American, McDonald's All-American, Parade Magazine, third team All-American. That's that's just a high school uh, resume right there. Mm -hmm. All right. Played at Alabama for uh, two seasons. Uh, Was named Sporting News National Freshman of the Year. SEC Freshman of the Year in 2002, uh, had an SEC regular season championship while at Alabama in the NCAA appearance. And he was a third-team all-conference in 2003 before turning pro. So uh, 
the coaching shuffle just is not limited to football when it comes <laughs> to, to SWAT. You know, we saw this recently with uh, b- between Prairie View and Southern with uh, Dooley, with Eric Dooley going home to Southern. Now we see Bo Williams going from Alabama, Alabama State to uh, Jackson State, quote unquote, going home. Man, great points. And I'm glad that you brought up his back background and went all the way to high school uh, because we focus on him as being a pro or certainly a coach at Alabama State. It's been a short stint that you hadn't really got a chance to maybe see what he can do. Uh, But, man, that was some significant accolades and certainly Alabama not known for basketball. The fact that he was able to uh, win a championship there uh, says something about his uh, playing side of it. So, be fascinating to see what he can do. I've already seen that he's landed two recruits uh, that are pretty supposed to be pretty strong. So it looks like he's off to a good start. It'll be fascinating to see how that looks. Obviously, now you have two professional players as head coach. You have a strong baseball program. Uh, women's basketball is doing this thing as they get prepared uh, to play this weekend against LSU as a 14 seed, the highest seed that you've seen from a SWAC program, one of the highest you've seen. And the division one for women's, I think the uh, other one obviously was Hampton when they got a 13 seed under Davis six, you know, in the early 2000s or late 2000s, I should say. So uh, a lot of good things going on with Jackson, including the fact before I take it to Brian, hopefully I'm not still a yoke thunder, is the fact that Jackson State football spring game will be on ESPN. Yeah, a spring game. <laughs> HBCU wise will be on ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe I'm not stealing Brian's stuff because he's like, whatever, give me some more stuff. Uh, but Jack State doing their thing. Let's shift over there. Maybe we get some fan mute news in here from Brian. What What do you want to share? Uh, Doc, I, I'm still buzzing about basketball. You know, basketball, look, uh, I know there's a lot of uh, talk about HBCUs and being in the first four. And I know maybe that's a conversation we'll get into later. But seeing Texas Southern play, and then Howard the next night. That that warmed my heart seeing uh, Texas Southern just ball out in the second half. And they did it in such an impressive fashion. Um, it, I mean, just in terms of the number of shots they made in the paint. Uh, it was a little, it was a little, uh, I pulled a few hairs out. Might have, might have had a few choice words, but they went to the basket any and every time they wanted to. Uh, young man, Grisham. Uh, yeah, I mean, they put on, there should be a montage of the blocks uh, that Texas Southern put on in that game against Texas A&M and Corpus Christi. And I know one of the chase down blocks made a sports center top 10, but I'll tell you, there was a block that Christian made, Doc, where he went up at the same time the, the ball handler from uh, Corpus Christi went up. And while, while the kid from Texas A&M Corpus Christi was coming down, I swear, Grisham was still hanging in the air. And he blocked the shot. I mean, he could have blocked the shot with both hands. I mean, it was one of the most outstanding. I, I, I had my mouth on the floor twice on some of his blocks. And I just kept thinking, that's what FAMU needs. But anyway, um, that you know, anyway, <laughs> it was just amazing watching Texas A&M, especially at the free throw line. They, they, they iced that game at the free throw line. I mean, they shot something like 15 to 21. Good teams win at the free throw line, and they win in the paint. I don't know what Texas, I don't know what Texas Southern's going to do against uh, Kansas, but they, they showed me something in that first four, and I think now that's the third uh, first four win for Texas Southern, and that means a lot. Uh, and, and then for Howard's women, Howard's women got a 55-51 uh, win over Incarnate Word. That was, look, if you had been in the tournament in 20-something years, it's the first win of the tournament, that's big. So I, I think we need to, I think more folks need to appreciate and celebrate those accomplishments. And while we look for, I would say, less complaining and more understanding about how the system works, and then maybe we can start asking the question, why and how? How do we get our conferences to have a better rating so that we don't end up in the first four games and we don't end up at 16 seeds and end up having to play Baylor like Norfolk State did? And, uh, you know, Norfolk State probably played a good game 
Baylor played a great game. If you go look at the statistics today, I think Baylor was like 31 of 50 something from the field. It's hard to beat anybody. And I know Walter State has beaten some teams when they have shot 31 of 50 something from the field. So it, it just is one of those days, and today seems to be one of those chalky days on day one of the tournament where the high seeds or the favorite seeds are winning. And so that's just uh, that's how it is. So that, that's, that's, my, that's my thoughts today so far. Yeah, we did get that 12-5 upset that seems to always happen with Richmond. But to your point, everything else has been chalk. Uh, Norfolk State obviously ran into a buzzsaw. That is the, uh, you know, uh, remaining champion, uh, champion Baylor of 2021. Obviously, they've lost pieces, but they regained and they basically are reloading at this point. Uh, but even you talking about Longwood that a lot of folks, and they got the better seed, they got uh, beat up by 30-some points as well. Um, so, you know, it's just tough being in that low major, one-bid type of conferences, um, even no matter what the seed. Um, it's tough until you get maybe to that 12, you make Want to think something about the 13, but basically, you, you know, statistics even wise, you can get to the 12, 11 seed, which is uh, a major jump in terms of not only winning in terms of your number of wins in the 20, but also the quality of your wins. And to some degree, you almost uh, really have to double down with the conference having some strength to itself. So it is a work in progress. I had an article that's out of New York Times where I got to chop it up a little bit and talk about equality and equity threw some things in there. Uh, also was quoted in the one line, but during the speech or, or interview I had, I talked about the fact that, you know, it's a mix in terms of HBCUs. Some people, administrators, even some fans to some degree, like the idea of playing in the first four because you're playing a team that's at your level. And so there's a chance to win. And then obviously you add on, if you get a chance to win, you get the money side of it. Um, then you also have a lot of other folks that, you know, just get tired of the mindset of hearing that you're a 16 and you're the 16 one because they know what this looks like and even to some degree the 15 two. So it's going to be a fascinating. We're going to take a pause here and then when we come back, it seems like AD wants to get a piece of that about the tournament. So certainly will allow him to share that before we get into the poll uh, ranking and get your thoughts on that. So let's take our first break out of the first quarter. We'll come back and get a little more dialogue and see what some other folks I'll talk about uh, also, as you talked about Texas Southern, how well they played. They have a change on the women's side coming with Texas Southern University legendary Hall of Fame. Cynthia Cooper Dyke announces her retirement uh, as she is hanging it up the whistle. Obviously, she hanged up the basketball shoot many years ago. Now the whistle. And it's my understanding, um, just the grind of trying to get it done on the basketball coach a little bit. So she's going to take a break off. I'm not sure if this is going to be the end of a legendary career, even as a SWAT coach in terms of what she's able to do. Uh, but certainly at this time, it looks like she's going to hang it up uh, just in terms of getting a break and moving in a different direction. We'll take a break and we'll come back right after this uh, and get it into the poll rankings, get thought of AD in terms of maybe what he thinks in terms of a little bit about this uh, poll madness that people have out there in terms of 16C or better, where you at? RPI rankings and all those things. And, you know, Brian and AD are the experts of understanding the computer rankings. So uh, anybody does, you know, I get my little polls, but they break it down on Sunday. So make sure you check out those shows regularly Sundays and Wednesdays as they get it done. With that, we'll be right back after this break. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like, really loves. Nope. Nope. Come on, him? Ooh, I like him. Quick, the quicker picker upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Oh, that spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Oh, yeah, that's nice. 
Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger that's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. You really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision. An SUV built around you. All of you. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvay. Impress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want a lot of laughing. So listen to Professor Yesa and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill with Inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Let me jump right back to uh, Professor Drew over here. I know you wanted to get some thoughts in terms of the first four, 15C, 16C. Where do you chime in, especially as previous being a coach? What are your thoughts in terms of those kind of matchups? First of all, uh, if you want to go deep behind the analytics, like uh, Dr. Gaville said, go back and watch uh, the show Brian and I did live on Sunday as the teams were coming out. You know, we really got into the net, uh, the net rating. Now, what goes into the net rating? We still don't understand what goes into it, the full formula, but we know the NCAA uses it to see these teams. And based on the numbers of the net rating system, you you can you can pretty much see the snake, as they like to call it, the snake line as they see these teams. And if those are not familiar with their snake, you know, you go one, two, three, four, and then you put five in there with four, six, seven, eight. So eight is in number one as you do as you do your seeding. If you look at those top 16 teams, the uh the four seeds in each of the four reasons, and you look at the nets of those teams. Those are the top 16 teams as far as net goes. And now let's take this to the other side. If you look at the bottom, Texas Southern was rated number 67. Texas A&M Corpus Christi was rated number 68. That means they were relegated to the first four, which is where you saw them at. Norfolk State was number 64. That means they're a 16 seed. They just missed the cut line for the first four at 65 through 68 played in the first four so we have to understand this stuff and go behind the numbers and understand why these teams are seeded and like brian says it's up to the athletic directors to figure out what they need to do to make their team get more wins in quadrant one well a lot of our teams won't get wins in, in, in quadrant one. You know, you saw Texas Southern with its win in uh, quadrant one with uh, against Florida. But l- let's be real. That was the exception. That's not the rule. But there's no reason we can't get uh, pick up a win or two in quadrant two and win and three and four. The problem is our conferences, the SWAC and the MEAC, rated number 30 and 32, why are they rated number 30 and 32? Because every team in those conferences are in quadrant four. And quadrant four, out of the 32 conferences, every game that was played in the SWAC or the MEAC was a quad four game. Also, as an administrator, I want that first full opportunity because I get an opportunity to get an extra share. Because every game that you play in the NCAA tournament, you get – Money. You get rewarded financially, whether you win or whether you lose. Now, the win gives you the opportunity to to play again, which means you get paid a second time. So Texas Southern, win or lose, when they step back on the court, we'll pick up at we'll pick up two shares. Norfolk only picked up one share by playing by being that 16 seed. Whereas last year, as a first four participant, 
they were able to pick up two shares. Two shares means more money for the conference, more money for Norfolk State. So not only do we need to go behind the numbers, we need to go behind the economics of this also. I'm really glad that you brought that up because it is extremely important because there's another study that was done a while back and it's called the red line. And what this study showed that 75% of the time or more teams at this red line, which was a financial line, won like 75% of their games against other opponents. And it was a threshold that you had to spend like a million dollars as a program. And I forgot it was like 5 million as, as a conference or something. And I'm sure that has increased as well. So to your point, um, it's not just that the ADs and coaches need to figure out what to do. I think in a lot of ways they know what to do, but this is America. And when I say America, it is about capitalism and it's about money. If you look at any of these teams, whether it's in the sport of football or basketball, generally speaking, teams and conferences that spend the most money win most of the time until they face until they face up another team that spends about equally as much. And then it may come down to some coaching or it may come down to uh, even more so, obviously, the Jimmys and Joes. But generally speaking, it's about money. So it's about finding that extra money, whether it's support from alumni, digging in their pockets a little more, finding creative ways, whether it's uh, as the commissioner, Dr. Charles McCullen is doing when he's pushing hard to get the support, looking at television deals uh, that look like they're on the way in regards to finding financial windfalls that will increase the budget uh, in member institutions, in this case, the SWAC, but really in any level, or even at the Division II level, CIAA, SIEC, the more money that you can bring into the institution or to the athletic department, generally speaking, the more money you can spend on your programs and the better chance you're going to have to win. So it's understanding the formula, but it gets really simple in a lot of ways. It's about access to resources. And that's why I talked about in that study was equality versus equity. Equality says that you have a seat at the table. Equity says, is it fair in where you are? If you have institutions that have started from the front for 20, 30 years and have got these mega resources deals, yeah, now they can say, let's be equal. We're going to share you a share and put you at the table. But you got Big Ten getting 20 shares because they're putting in seven, eight teams Several of those teams are going multiple rounds and it just pulls up the cover. So when you look at the spreadsheet for the NCA in terms of their money for the NCA, like 90% of the money is going to five, six conferences. So it just replicates itself because now you have money and you have resources to put resources into things, either it's facilities or getting more manpower or paying money to figure out the system a little more or making sure you get home games so um, it's usually more essential. For example, when we were in Dayton, um, it was a great atmosphere. And in about in the second half, the Dayton Arena, which is a first-class arena, and this is just for what some people say mid-major, they in um, Atlantic 10, so it's charting up. Some people may even call it the seventh major, seventh major division in terms of basketball outside of the West Coast Conference with Gonzaga out there in the Big East outside of those five, you know, in terms of what they spend on uh, basketball related because they don't play, you know, football in terms of scholarship level. Um, and it was full with Indiana fans just for an open round game in a 16,000 seat plus stadium. And they were loud. And they talked about those block parties, but you can tell they appreciate their basketball. Oh, they were cheering and wooing and wooing all up and down when he seen Texas Southern with the chase down block. You know, they went crazy and then you like, wow. And the players got to stay over a little bit and see the next game, which was what on me in Indiana. And the atmosphere in terms of Indiana, how they turn that into a socially a home crowd and how they go about their chance is something. Uh, that we need to understand in terms of elevating every side of HBC sport. And this is not to turn it into a complaint session, but to inform people of what that looks like. 
We're almost on our break, so we're going to go ahead and get in the break, and we're going to push this back a little bit. We might have a surprise guest in here on this next hour. We'll get a chance to get into the poll rankings because I want to see what the gentlemen here think about my poll rankings, Dr. Ville's Inside HB Sports Lab. I want to see what the lab listeners think about my rankings in terms of what they are because we're closing out and we're going to name a champion in terms of as everything starts to close out uh, some of these final games at the Division One level. We want to see who is at the top of the heat uh, and who may be closest to taking that next step if they can maintain that program, even when you talk about Norfolk Stoke coach, talking about not wanting to be in that 16th seed, and you can see why today. Um, not because he knows that it's challenging, but he probably believes that his program played better than that. But you got to understand all these pieces. So stick with us. We'll be right back at this break. Great information uh, being displayed and uh, great commentary coming out of our lab listeners. Shout out to uh, Stephen A. Miller that talked about uh, Dayton loves hosting those first four games. No doubt about it. They're in there doing it well. Anthony Johnson uh, checking us out. Edwin Dwight Moore, Karen Griffin is always showing us love. Chad Cooper's in the building. G Boom Holly, Amos Fawcett, uh, Aggie's in here doing it big. Noelle Price, she's always showing us love. A lot of y'all just got off the golf course to show us some love. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Put in 17 holes. I see you. I see you. Donna Loba is in here. LaShan <laughs> Harris. Uh, many of them, many of them. And know Michael Ford. I uh, appreciate all you all joining us today, uh, getting prepared before we check out some of this basketball tonight. Stickers, we'll be right back after this break. 2002 Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. I'm returning to Clinton, Paris, and Tampa's my community. I grew up here, went to school here, and my wife and I make our home here. What makes Tampa special are its people. So when I represent someone injured in my community, it's personal. Call my office and speak to a real lawyer and not some referral service. I will fight the insurance companies to get the settlement that you deserve. At the law office of Clinton Paris, we take the pain out of being hurt. Charmin Ultra Soft has so much cushiony softness, it's hard for your family to remember they can use less. Sweet pillows of softness. This is soft. Holy Charmin. Excuse me. Roll it back, everybody. Sorry. Charmin Ultra Soft is so cushiony soft, you'll want more. But it's so absorbent, you can use less. So it's always worth it. Now, what did we learn about using less? You gotta roll it back, everybody. (laughs) We all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? From non-profit to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website www.slowburnwaco.com That's www. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna laugh, and who the ball, who the So listen to Professor Yes Sir, and pay attention. This is Dr. Neil inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Watson, Charles Bishop. They're out on assignment, so I got the next best group of guys. We got one of the original founders back on here, Ryan McGinty, who helped start the show uh, way, way back. We got in here as the sports information director, Texas Southern University. So you can give in, give us some updated news. And obviously, we got the team from Sports Rap, Ryan and AD, showing me some love. So I appreciate it. As everybody you see is out on assignment, but we're here to bring you a show. 
like none other. Let me start with you, Ryan. How are things going? Uh, what is your experience getting on the Charter Flame NCA? I know you've done a little bit of it before, but the dating experience, maybe not quite like this in terms of the first four. How has been your experience? What are your thoughts in terms of all this? Share a little bit of the insight uh, with the listeners out there, what this has been like for you. Well, as funny as it sounds, I've been in this business since 2002. And this is my first men's basketball uh, NCAA tournament, as crazy as it sounds. And so uh, I've done two women's on the side, but as a lot of people know, the women's uh, first round games are on campus. Uh, but the second time I did a women's game, we did do charter and we flew to UConn. <laughs> and so uh, this was my first time winning. Uh, last year, I couldn't go because of the bubble situation and the sports got pushed back in the spring. So I missed all the tournament experience last year. But this is my first legitimate NCAA tournament experience on the men's side. And I'm enjoying every minute of it from the charter flights to lack of sleep. To Katie Moore from the hotel, I said, so you can get spoiled like this. I, I, I plan on going back 20, 30 more times. So uh, I'm just looking, <laughs> glad I'm here to enjoy this experience with Coach Jones and team. And uh, you really get a chance to see the people in a different light. And um, it's just an amazing experience once again. I'm just glad, you know, they, they brought me along because, you know, I didn't have to. I mean, they didn't have to bring me, but they, they thought well enough of me to bring me along and, just enjoying the time, and this is an experience, you know, you, you'll cherish forever because no no day is promised, especially in this sport and in this business, especially some teams I know is yet to make an NCAA tournament, so I'm taking full advantage of this. Man, you were at Grambling. Why you throw that out there? I never, I didn't, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was me. That was me. My Grambling fan, I don't do that. And see, I got, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. We're going to get do the show, and then we're going to have to head out there to the Fort Worth Arena, Dickey's Arena. It's a new arena. Got to go out there for the practice session and check it out. Uh, um, obviously, it's run strictly as a business platform and smoothie in so many different ways to be just up front with those that haven't participated in it. But it's amazing that they put this big machine together. And so I appreciate all the support you've given me, Ryan, over the years of trying to give people – a different perspective that they um, obviously get from you giving them updates from uh, providing information, but uh, giving me some insight that I can share with that. So that's appreciated. But now we're going to take the new text. We'll get in a little bit of this and even maybe let Brian and AD ask you some test questions that they say, but before that, we're going to get the poll ranking. So I want to see what y'all think about my poll updates before we get too far into this, because, you know, I get excited about giving these updates. Top five teams, week 11. We'll close this out probably next week unless we see some major upsets. Uh, but with that being said, top five. Now, this poll comes out on Tuesday. Obviously, we're unable to bring you a total show outside of our control. So, uh, please, uh, we apologize to the lab listeners in terms of that. You know, we, we're going to try to make sure you get your shows because I got some uh, texts from folks that were like, hey, I, I need my lab. I understand. We want to give it to you, too. With that being said, we're going to get in here and give you these top five programs. This is before games that were played on Tuesday, so this does not include Texas Southern's win in that first four. Uh, obviously, it does not include also the Wednesday first four win by Howard on the women's side, nor does it include the loss by Norfolk State earlier today. So with that being said, or Alcorn's um, loss to Texas A&M, credit to them, they were tied at halftime. And they played the game without two players. One, is my understanding, was hurt, and the other one maybe transferring or something like that. Uh, but uh, they really fought hard against Texas A&M. And so kudos to Alcorn for representing in that. Obviously, you had Morgan State and what they used to call the CIT. Now they call it uh, the tournament uh, game there. They had a tough loss today, but it doesn't include those losses in terms of what's going on there. So let's get in it. When we talk about the top five, uh, in terms of – uh, women's poll, Sugary's not dead. And number five, because no team dropped out. So everybody stayed in the top five. Alabama a and Bulldogs did drop a spot as they lost the quarterfinals opening round game to Grambling uh, in terms of got it done. 15 to 14 uh, is what they dropped to over the season, 13 to 5, but they concluded the season. Uh, 57 points, bringing us to number four. Morgan State Bears on the women's side finished at 18 and 8, 11 and 3, 72 points. Uh, as they were pushing forward, um, had a really good game, 
last minute basket by Norfolk State and pushed them into the finals. And Norfolk State goes to number three uh, as they are 17, 11, 11, and three, 80 points. They move up two spots from five, brings to number two, Howard Bison, 20 and nine. Yes, 20 wins on the season, which in meant that they have a share of the regular season, as you know, but they got the championship. Uh, in terms of MIAC, and got a little uh, bounce back as they lost the heartbreaker last year to North Carolina A&T. So I was really excited for the Howard Bison women, but it showed out in the polls, and we can now talk about them getting their first four win in the tournament. So they'll actually approve to 21 season. What a magical run for them as they uh, will play in South Carolina, which is a tough task, but we'll see how that goes. 81 points. Uh, they move up a spot from three, bringing us to Jackson State Tigers, who have just got it done this weekend, beating everybody 23-6, and 18-0 and in terms of undefeated regular season, going through the tournament, um, really getting it done, and had some tough games in terms of terms and matchups. Pine Bluff, one of the teams that played them close to close out the season, obviously against the rival Southern. That was a slugfest until late in that game. And then the Alabama State team, who's become one of the rivals that they played in the championship last year. So credit to Jackson State. They will play in that game against LSU. Talked about their seeding in terms of getting it done. Uh, 14th seed, best seed coming out of the SWAC thus far. One of the best in terms of HBCUs, again, other than when Hampton had that 13th seed a couple of years ago, if you would. Let me start with you, Ryan, since you're the guest on here. What do you think of my women's top five poll rankings for week number 11? Well, you know, I'm not going to disagree. Uh, honestly, great assessment. Um, and you didn't include some of the first four. I mean, like you said, Howard's success, so that could change some things. But uh, who was number one again? Is one Jackson State Tigers. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with that. You go through the conference basically 21 and 0 when you include the postseason. So Howard was two. And so I'm not even going to debate that. You know, my old younger days, I will try, but nah, <laughs> good job. I appreciate that you wised up over the years, <laughs> and you'll be welcome back on the show now that you got the answer right to the question. <laughs> With that being said, let me go to you, Brian. Uh, what are your thoughts in terms of my top five rankings on the women's side? Uh, I think you pretty much went chalk with everything that we had. I will say Alabama State, though, probably deserves to be in the top five just on the strength of the fact that they got to the championship game. I see you have them sitting outside of your top five at 15-15. I think they were number five in our uh, rankings, but uh, I think it's something to be said. They were the three seed. They went two games further than Alabama and m so – uh, with that said, I, that's the only difference that I might uh, that I might uh, nitpick about. Everything else looks great. Yeah, I can see that. I, I think you have a legitimate argument of making that case with Alabama, and they split in the regular season, so uh, I can see that uh, overall fifteen and fifteen record versus a fifteen fourteen. So the win percentage probably slightly better. Uh, but to your point, I, I can see that. Ad Drew, you have the same thought process or different there. Can you argue with perfection, Doc? I really want to know how can you argue with perfection, and I'm not talking about the Pope. I'm oh. talking about Jackson State <laughs> when, when it comes to this. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it's hard. To, and, and and now since we get, since we've gotten that mandatory Jackson State uh, uh, thing out the way, and I, I'm, there, yeah. I'm, I'm and I'm gonna echo with uh, what Ryan and Brian said. I'm supposed to make a bold prediction, Doc. Jackson State beats you, you you stumbled just a minute there, so I want to make sure people he get got sniped. He got sniped because he was trying to put that out. Yeah, there. they were trying LSU, to snipe you before LSU you said it. They were trying to make you pull it back. So say it again. What were you going to say there? Jackson, if Jackson State beats LSU, I, yeah. I, I, I did put the if in front of that. Gotcha. They will make it to the Sweet 16. Nice. I can see that. I can see that. You're right. If they get past LSU, they can seriously make the run, be the first time men's or women uh, since um, Division One play that you've seen a HBCU at the Division One level get to Sweet 16. Obviously, we've had national champions at the NCAA Division Two level. We've had national champions at the NAIA level in terms of the men's and uh, seen teams in terms of women's uh, Division Two, if you would, 
get to championship level and one of them winning it as well. So be different for Division One. It'd be interesting to see that. Let me jump in here and give you the men's side of this, see if we can get maybe a little more action here. Dropping out on the men's side was Howard, and they're just getting votes. Uh, so top five, North Carolina Central Eagles, 16 and 15, 8 and 5. They were not ranked, so as Howard drops out, uh, Central drops back in, and I think that switches from the previous week. So they're kind of going back and forth. It'll be interesting to see the final polls and see how that shakes out. And number four, Southern Jaguars, 17 and 14, 7, 12 and 6, 74, fourth place. You're talking about a team that kind of slid but played so well over the long term of the season. Uh, coach got accolades for coach of the year in terms of division. And there's questioning on whether um, he will be brought back because uh, his contract ends. So it's not like he's getting fired, but there's question are they going to renew his contract? Um, so that's going to be fascinating when you see a team that is on the rise. Do you make that kind of change? Yes, obviously expectations. Losing to your rival, Grambling State, three straight games, including the tournament, certainly uh, hurts in terms of the fans' eyes, but that's going to be a fascinating to keep your eyes on there. Uh, we already talked about the change uh, of Alabama State, Mo Williams moving to Jackson State, so that job is open. So people are having interest in there. And then we obviously talked about now Texas Southern on the women's side, that's opening. So people are going to be fascinated, which brings us to Alcorn State phrase. Uh, 17 and 6, 14 and 4 overall, 82 points. Coach Bussy in his second year, probably making it challenging on all these uh, new coaches in terms of what he was able to do. Fascinating. Will they be able to keep him? Will people try to sneak in and get him? Whether it's in the SWAC or outside of the SWAC, something to keep your eyes on. Chatter going around. And number two, Texas Southern University Tigers, 18 and 12, 13 and 5. One first place vote, 93 points. Uh, moving up from the three spot, they're at number two. Can they chase down Norfolk State? That is 24 and 6, 12 and 2. Nine first place votes, 99 points. Uh, would playing in the first four, does that make a difference? Uh, I guess it'll depend on what Texas Southern does, maybe with Kansas tonight. See if they can get enough momentum to jump up. With that, let me go back around uh, the framework, and I'm going to start with A.D. Drew on this one and see what he thinks in terms of the top five rankings on the men's side. I just want to know, when your next poll comes out, Doc, will Maryland Eastern Shore be able to get in playing in whatever postseason basketball tournament that they got into with the, well, I believe it, 11 and 15 record or whatever it was, in one of those lower-level postseason uh, basketball tournaments. You know, basketball is starting to turn into college football where everybody gets a bowl invite. looks like everybody's getting a basketball <laughs> invite right now. So that's the only question. I, I can't really argue with your five. I got to throw some throw some shade somewhere. You yeah. can't really be sure get into your top five based on this run that they're going to make in whatever postseason tournament this uh, unfortunately, already, or whatever it's called. Right. Unfortunately, they already ended that run. Uh, they lost, <laughs> I think, today in terms of that. So, no, that's just no. <laughs> but I do like the way that you gave them some love. And I guess that's what you think about is the chance to do postseason play, uh, additional practices. Maybe you can't go on a run, uh, but it was not to be fascinating as you talk about uh, what basketball is turning into, but uh, one to keep your eyes on. But I will say this. People forget four years ago, before COVID, literally, when Prairie View defeated Texas Southern, there was a decision to be made in a basketball program under the leadership of VP of Athletics, Kevin Granger, decided, yes, and the president, that we were going to go on this CIT at the time was the name of the tournament. They made it to the final four of that tournament, one uh, three games. They played in New Orleans on the road, won that game. They played um, Texas Pan American, won that game. Then they went up to ULM, Monroe, and won that game, and then went up to Wisconsin. Uh, and three of those games they lost in overtime, and they lost uh, a nail-biter uh, to um, Green Bay, I think it was, in terms of, of that basketball program. And it kind of set them up in terms of expectation, and what this program does and how much they believe in basketball and saying that every game matters uh, in terms of that. And it gave them a chance to put up different banners that recognizes and say, hey, 
we are a basketball program and every opportunity we can to show that we can play basketball at Texas Southern University, uh, they do it. And look what it's turned around in terms of two straight uh, tournaments. There's a couple of players on those teams that get some time to play in that. Um, and they talk about it. And now not only they gotten two straight uh, tournament championships, now they got two first four wins. So fascinating to wonder how much that attributed to that. Let me go to Brian, talk a little bit too much, but I want to get your thoughts in terms of top five. I thought it was important to kind of tie that in because uh, Professor Drew made a good point in terms of, you know, do you play in these games or not? Because it's my understanding the Southern got an invite and they turned it down. Yeah, uh, that's a good point you brought up about Southern getting the invitation. Um, some talk about uh, you know, why Southern did that. There's some rumors out there. I don't you know, I guess, I don't know, uh, you know what, what is uh, final and what is not uh, as to why Southern did not uh, choose to go, but I think that's a miss by Southern. Uh, but I understand if everything holds up, why they didn't go. <laughs> and so, with that said, uh, the only thing in terms of the top five, I'd look at that number five, North Carolina Central. I don't recall, Drew, who was our, who was our number five? Uh, I don't think North Carolina Central was in our top five, were they? I don't think so. I don't I don't have it in front of me. I'm not on my laptop, so I don't Probably was Howard, huh? Five, yes, it I was Howard. Right it was, probably it was Yeah, it was, I think it was Howard. I think we had a flip. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, but it's got the top four. Uh, it is it is what it is. So it's funny how uh, the, data, the data always ends up coming out, you know, pretty much the same way as the people in the end. Even though the people can go out to left field sometimes, they end up coming back and see what the data in the end. I know Mike, I know Mike would be happy about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, good shout out to Mike. Shout out to Charles Bishop as well as uh, he's out on assignment probably getting prepared to make sure he's going to make that road trip down to Baton Rouge. And as Drew said, if they find a way to get it done, he might be on the road for the next couple, couple of weekends because they might get find a way to get to the Sweet 16, uh, making it through this round. That would be sweet to watch and talk about next week. Let me go to Ryan McGinty and see what he says about the top five poll rankings uh, in his frame. Um, no change outside of it. I just – it's funny. It's, it's kind of a balanced poll. It just, I guess this year, the MEAC with the deletion of some schools, comparing that to the SWAC as a whole, I don't, you know, maybe is the SWAC stronger or, you know, or is Norfolk's success based mainly on strong non-conference and take advantage of the MEAC. That's the only thing I would say, but Norfolk did well, got a 16 seed and had to play themselves in, so I'm not going to debate that one also. Right. I, I do think that, to your point, though, um, I think you can argue that the SWAC was a deeper conference. Um, but the way, kind of like what you see on the women's side with Jackson State, just going through there, in a lot of ways, Norfolk State did that, adding the fact that they had a really good non-conference schedule that really buffered what they did in the conference and took away the fact that they had those two losses, one a really close one on the road in North Carolina Central, why I think they – a final way up in the poll versus Howard that had good wins but had some very bad losses as well. Um, so it's fascinating when you see that. I guess the question I have before we kind of close up, um, all of you all, do you, what about the point differential? Do you think that Norfolk State should have the nine first-place votes, or do you believe that maybe uh, Texas Southern should get some more votes? And remember, this came out before the first four wins on Tuesday night and the tough loss that Norfolk State had today. Obviously, we will find out tonight in terms of what Texas Southern does from Kansas in terms of whether they can get it done or keep it close or how long they can even keep it close or all things that can play in the variables. At this point, do you think that the first place votes may should be different in terms of the poll rankings? Starting with you, A.D. Drew, and then I'll come to you, Brian, and let Ryan close it out. Go ahead. When we did our uh, computer ranking on Sunday, Doc, there was a one-point differential between wow. Norfolk State and uh, Texas Southern. And actually, it was less than a point when you actually look at, you know, look at the numbers out to about two or three digits beyond the decimal point. It was less than one point. And... Part of that is 
we factor out those three non-division one games that Norfolk did uh, had on their record in non-conference. So our computer ranking factors those out. We only factor division one games in. And because of that, Norfolk had a weaker strength of schedule than Texas Southern. And that's what Texas Southern was able to make up the difference in our computer ranking was that was their strength of schedule. That strength of schedule was middle of the road where Norfolk's was down at the bottom of division one. I think there may have only been, if they weren't the, the bottom, there may have been one team that had a weaker strength of schedule than Norfolk state. Now, like you said, Norfolk took advantage of that, that weak schedule. They handled their business. They, you can only beat, the teams that are on your schedule and Norfolk did that better than better than most teams uh, did this year, especially in the uh, Mid Eastern athletic conference. So yes, I think those two teams should be closer together because the SWAC this year is the basketball conference. And Norfolk may be the basketball team, but the SWAC is the basketball conference for 2021, 2022. Ooh, who would have thought that? Brian, what do you thought? Here's, here's my, you know, as I sit and think about it, the, my argument, the, the counter to whether the SWAC was really the basketball conference or not, is the seven seed from the MIAC knocked off the two seed and the three seed, made it to the finals. Kind of showing a little bit of the depth of that conference, you know, and, and so. Witness, who was the seventh seed in the uh, in the swag? Jackson was State. It, uh, yeah, Jackson State wouldn't get to the finals. Not one, they had to go to Texas Southern, uh, but they wouldn't have got past. They wouldn't. So maybe the eighth seed, we, we hinted at maybe the eighth seed could, but really we need to eight seed should it. have. Uh, you should have beat Alcorn. Okay, I, I'll give you that because yeah, they, they, they did but, go to OT. They should have yeah. should have beat them before it went to OT. Good point. But really, you know what? So what's crazy is we thought there was really six teams. Really, there was four teams. There was really four teams that could have won that conference, and, and three, and there was the one, two, three seed, and the and eight, eight. and the eight. That was really it. Everybody else was kind of there for show, and 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 looked good going in. But really, it was really a fourteen lead at the end. When I when I really think back about it, it was really fourteen. So I would so I would argue that possibly the the BAC overall might have been the tougher or better league. But I mean that's just based on what we see here at the end. I, I like the argument that you have put on the table. I'm not sure if I agree with it, but I do think it's plausible. So the fact that you brought it on the table fascinating. Um, maybe next year we'll see some of these uh, matchups in the non-conference race. Obviously, you have these folks that are putting some of these HBCU basketball classics together. So hopefully we'll get some of these top teams that are perennial been top teams, and you'll see some of these matchups because it'll be fascinating to see them playing in and then later on in the season to see kind of how it shakes out. Uh, we'll give you the last parting word here pretty much, Brian. What are your thoughts in terms of the poll ranking as we start to sh- close down the show? I'm laughing what Brian said. Uh, the first round against TSU and Jackson State, 54 to 50. And that was a hard fought game that TSU won. Uh, Grandma was the sixth seed, knocked off Southern, the three seed. And um, really, all the swag games were close to four or five. Alabama AM and um, Fam was close. And then all corn and Prairie View, I mean, uh, all I'm going to say is a team in purple should have won that game. And you know how y'all want to determine as it, but um, I just think this year more depth. I, this is just and not because I was in it, whatever. I just think the swag had more depth this year and it reflected in the tournament because Grambling swept Southern uh, all three times and Grambling finished sixth and Southern finished um, was projected to finish first toward the end, but then slipped. But uh, I just think this year maybe the swag finally shared that moniker for football conference and basketball is here to stay. And, yeah, it's fascinating. and to your point, uh, going into the last weekend, 11 of the 12 teams in the SWAC were still in the race to get a tournament, to get into the uh, tournament. Yeah, good point. Great point. I'm glad you jumped in and shared that because that was fascinating that it literally went down to the wire in terms of who would get in the tournament. 
uh, as the SWAC has the 12 members, obviously, but only takes the top eight teams, and the MEAC has eight members. And so it takes all eight members in terms of seating uh, for a three-round tournament. Fascinating discussion. Uh, I, I have watched uh, SWAC basketball for many years. I've never seen the conference as competitive as this in terms over the last 20-some years. Obviously, some of my research goes back and talks about some of those legendary teams and legendary depth of the league that were very uh, competitive going in some of these matchboxes where you really had to deal with uh, fan bases uh, that could make a home uh, court advantage really something uh, to fear in regards of a road team coming in there and trying to play in a hostile environment. So it's fascinating. So it'll be something to keep up with the next couple of years to see if this was just a one-year uh, type of uh, situation or is there more things to follow in terms of what's going on in the SWAC and then obviously in the MEAC, watching uh, the MEAC basketball to see uh, where they're going to turn around uh, what's going on there in the years. And that also includes the other three HBCU conferences, the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference, where them bringing in expansion and new members there. That's going to be kind of fascinating to see. Wiley College shifts over to GCAC. What does that look like? Obviously, we've seen Xavier in the Red River uh, Athletic Conference, both on the men's and women's. It looks like there'll be a thrust in terms of what that looks like. So that's fascinating. SIC uh, heading in uh, a different direction will be uh, intriguing to see where the momentum and the depth of that conference as they're bringing in some new members, whatever, Waters, Allen, uh, to see what that looks like over the next year. So we see this conference turning. And then, obviously, you have the granddaddy grand uh, of them all, the CIAA. It is truly in terms of basketball interest of what they did in Baltimore. Fascinating tournament, a lot of fan fest, uh, what that looks like. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, as we could return and go to the diamond, whether that's softball, baseball, Throw some love out there for North Carolina A&T uh, as they were uh, second place in terms of indoor track. And it came down to this for folks that didn't read it or didn't uh, as close. They actually had a chance to get the national championship against Texas as it came down to the four by four, which they have been notorious for. But whatever reason, they didn't run that very well. If, if for the fifth, we'll know how that goes. If Texas had a failed pass three and they had won the four by four, they would have actually won the indoor championship. As it was to be, they were way down there, 12-13, and Texas actually won the 4 by 4 So they won the championship going away a little bit in terms of 40-plus points to 30. Uh, but that's the best finish that you've seen at HBCU at the Division One level. Very important to put that in there, not to throw shades at those national NIA HBCU programs, those Division Two. Um, men's and women's national championships. But in terms of the Division One program, A&T finished the best finish. The last ones I think you've had, uh, you had back in the 80s and 70s, you had some uh, seventh, eighth-place type uh, finishes in terms of what that looks like. So that was fascinating. Uh, kudos to Dr. Roderick Holmes, who is a track aficionado, and he was fascinating. So he shared this with me. The highest finish I could find are uh, Jackson State, which was tied for eighth in 1983. Charles Bishop, I'm sure, will love that shout-out when he checks out the show. Staying in Mississippi, Mississippi Valley State had a ninth-place finish in 1982. You had a Kentucky State uh, in Southern, finished tied for seventh in 1965. Ramblin' Women had a fifth-place finish in 1985, according to the U.S. Uh, Track and Field uh, Association there. So just wanted to give some love there. That'll do it for the show. We got to get ready to get out of here and get Brian to make sure he can take care of some business there. But good luck for the Tigers. Appreciate uh, Brian for showing up. Um, glad to see that you didn't sneak in a beer, but now you can go enjoy the games and do the drinking as you want. Uh, AD, Drew, again, thank you for taking a moment away and hopefully we gave you a little bit. But uh, uh, condolences and prayers and your time of need and your bereavement. Please stay strong and let us know that all the lab listeners are with you appreciate you finding a way to give us some love because your comments were needed and very thoughtful today. With that, thank you for listening to Inside HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Yada Kavil, the Dean of HBC Sports, coming from Inside the Lab in the College of HBC Sports with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Obviously, guesting, uh, sharing us some love today was the gentleman of Sports Rap. Check them out on Sunday 
and Wednesday. That is Brian and AD. Uh, and we have none other than Ryan McGinty, the Sports Information Director at Texas Southern University, one of the founders of the show. reason why you have us here with Charles and Mike is because the work that he put in at the very beginning. Download my JBN, my BCSN, in terms of making sure you get the love in the app. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Bill's Inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Watson, Charles Bishop, every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 o'clock Central Standard Time right here. We'll be back in the fold next week. Uh, checking us out. We look forward to next week as we discuss the latest news in the lab. Follow me, Dr. Yacobiel, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-H-C-A-V-I-L. Again, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-H-C-A-V-I-L. Inside the HBC Sports Lab 1 on Twitter. Have some good dialogue going on there, so check me out on Twitter. Keep it coming. Facebook, Inside the HBC Sports Lab on YouTube. Dream big. We'll continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Brian. Of course. AD. <clears throat> Lecture. Ryan. Yes, yes. Let's go. <laughs>